0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that... Being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business, all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free, so I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 104. In today's episode, I interview upper cervical specialist Dr. Bill Moss. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn all about the knee chest upper cervical technique, the importance of adaptability, and where the world is going. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Barony Kid Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Dr. Bill Moss. Dr. Bill. First question that I ask everybody who comes on the show is: share with us the highlights of your health journey up to this point.
1: Highlights of my health journey, um, I would say, man, there's. I got involved in health when I was at a very young age. I didn't think I could, I didn't think I could really make a career out of it. But uh, I was an athletic kid. I played soccer, basketball, baseball, which ultimately led me to cross country running and track, which I did. Uh, throughout college, and even remain competitive throughout. Um, once, ah, you know, once I entered chiropractic school, and I think I always had an uh, an eye that I wanted to continue to make myself better, continue to perform better. So I think that naturally led to things like nutrition and being concerned with that, weight training. And I think at a young age I started putting all those pieces together. But one of the biggest components for me that was seemed to be off was, though I was searching for various healthy ways of living, I was actually a pretty sick kid. Meaning I, I got like everything during each change of season. I'd miss multiple days of school. I had allergies and asthma. And trying to compete um, athletically with those certain situations occurring became a a pretty big challenge. So I think there was always a piece of me that, um, was like, yeah, I'm doing all these things to be super healthy, but I'm still struggling. Um, and it seemed to struggle even more than a lot of my peers, um, throughout time. And that's kind of what ultimately led me to chiropractic Um, it helped resolve certain health conditions that just weren't responding for, from other, other means and methods over the history of my life.
0: So then I'm curious where, where are you now with that? Because you're you're really diving into like the upper cervical, uh, techniques and how, how has that had like that tremendous impact, uh, in, in, for today for you then too?
1: Yeah, so I mean, just a little bit chiropractically. Like, would be chiropractic started out as a basically pain relief for me. That was my first experience with a chiropractor during athletics. I woke up and I could not even move one day, and my mother, who was a rad, she was a, a radiologist technician. She was like, "All right, we could take you to the emergency room, or we could make the decision and let's let's um, let's try this chiropractic thing out." And that day I went to the chiropractor, he did his workup, had me come back in the afternoon and bam, at that point, chiropractic, uh, I was able to exercise, I was blown away. And honestly, I didn't really understand it, but inside of me I was like, wow, something is super different. This was like very profound. But then I utilized that as a as a treatment for pain, as a treatment for um, I'm not feeling or performing well. And that's what chiropractic really remained for me for about four or five years, that's how I utilized it. I was just kind of infatuated with it, but I didn't really understand it. Uh, and I still struggled with those other health conditions, but something really changed for me uh, before I went into student teaching. I was originally an educator before becoming a chiropractor, and I developed debilitating anxiety, panic attacks, uh, to the point I thought I was gonna die every day. It was very uh, disturbing. And anything I did that raised my heart rate, my whole body just seemed to like spin out of control. My heart rate was high, my blood pressure was high, and I was like a 22 year old kid. So this was super unusual. But anytime I saw the chiropractor, that situation seemed to change. My body seemed to relax, get better. And I didn't really understand why. Uh, I did the medical route for a, an entire year where I was on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, and then about a year after that situation, I met a chiropractor after having woken up in some pain again, and he, he just explained to me the role of the nervous system and how that could have contributed to the problems that I had experienced over the years. And at that point, I just began to think slightly differently. And I got under regular care. This time it wasn't like, Hey, you're just in pain. Let's get it. Let's get you under care. And I did a six-month stint of very regular care, and I saw my whole health picture begin to change. I wasn't experiencing the anxiety. My allergies cleared up. I my skin issues were clearing up. I wasn't the person getting sick. And my eyes kind of got open. Like, wow, if the body's given the right conditions, it can it can really restore it's, itself. And that's what I began to see. But what I did realize, and this kind of leads me into the whole upper cervical thing, what I realized was um, that was full spine chiropractic, which really benefited me super overall. But I, all I did was replaced the idea of an adjustment as my new pill, right? It just like getting adjusted was my ticket to not experiencing previous health conditions. Like, oh, if I don't want to experience that, I'm going to get an adjustment. And then when I got to chiropractic school, I didn't really even know there were other types of chiropractic from what I had been exposed to, was I just started hearing stories about these doctors who took on these really significant conditions that seemed to respond to little medical medical help, little intervention from that model, and even chiropractic. It was like when, when really things hit the fan, Everybody seemed to run to the upper cervical guy, and I was like well what's what why wouldn't I want to do that <laughs> what, you know i'm I'm that guy who's like always trying to figure out what's the best way to do things my whole life like what's the you know way way to be the healthiest and all of a sudden, I'm like hearing about these miracle stories and people going to the upper cervical and I was like well what what's the deal maybe maybe I should look into that and the the ideas of it that really resonated with me is one, the, that the nervous system is absolutely behind the function of the body, and it's a missing component that most people never consider in their health picture. And secondly, the, other, the idea that you only get adjusted when, you need, when, you, when that system's not functioning correctly. So having an objective way to say, listen, your body's working correctly, or uh, secondarily, it, it's not. We're going to intervene now, and this is exactly how I know and why I know we need to do that and that that just that idea was I mean maybe that's new to you but that resonates with the public that resonates with the, the way we perceive the world and I was like how can this profession that's so impactful to myself personally and then so many other people be in the place that it is and I'm like well I think one it's Partially because the message is just kind of screwed up, and then two, it's just we're not we're not framing it in the right way. We don't we're not even recognize how people actually think about their health. So that's really what got me driving in this direction um, in the upper cervical world.
0: Now, your specific technique that you use is called the knee chest upper cervical technique, correct? Yes. And I mean, I I, I was looking into it a little bit, and because I know of uh, like Blair, Nuka, this and that, but I'm not sure like, okay, what is it? What is the knee, chest, upper cervical? Like, how does that distinguish just from other, uh, types of other cervical techniques even?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a good question. So it's very, a knee, chest, upper cervical, those words or terms that really describe the posture that the patient's in. Um, and it's actually some of, this work is some of the original chiropractic work. It's some of the oldest, most researched forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is a manual adjustment. It is a by-hand adjustment. And it really looks at, we use infrared thermography to determine the state of the nerve system and when to make an intervention and when not to. It's it's similar in its approach to Blair uh, it, from a an objective measuring standpoint. But we have our own unique x-ray analysis that and even more unique to the organization that I'm actually the director of, we use, we even have a a different approach than other knee, chest, upper cervical organizations in that we look at really the quote misalignment as more of a biomechanical dysfunction of the spine as opposed to just being a static malposition of a bone in place. So there's some subtleties within that. But um, across all upper cervical techniques, there are some similarities in beliefs um, uh, across the board. But ours really describes the patient position uh, and how we apply that.
0: I'm curious here, too, because uh, you said even like some of the skin conditions and everything. And this is something that just popped into my head. Like, my son has been having some eczema. I mean, he's only like a year and a half old or so. But... Does this, I mean, do you still practice on, I mean, infants? Like, what is the age Hmm. range? I mean, is that necessarily a a factor?
1: Yeah, we can take care of, I mean, I take care of, one in one week of practice, this is kind of a cool story, Um, in this practice in Pennsylvania where I am, I had my oldest and youngest patient start in the same week. One was born in, (laughs) yeah, one was born in 19... Uh, let me see how old they are, 1922, and the other one was born in 2016, like three months old and like 94 years old, all in the same... All in the same week. So it kind of gives you the, the variety of what we care for. There's modifications in force. There's modifications in application of uh, x-rays and even the right. thermography or, or temperature testing. But it doesn't limit us to who, who we can work with. In fact, I actually did a workshop the other night on uh, neurodevelopmental disorders in kids because I was a, a special education teacher in the past. And I worked with lots of kids, and I saw how they struggled and wanted a more natural means and when I was a teacher we just saw how they got passed around from medication to medication to behavioral intervention to behavioral intervention so that's an area that's kind of near and dear to my heart and I'm looking to work more and more with that population so age is not a factor and in fact in a kid I always kind of make make light of this but it's very easy for people to get caught up in chiropractic as being this pain management thing where people raise their hand they're like man my neck's killing me i, I gotta go get checked but a, a, a baby's never gonna be like listen uh, this that birth process was really rough can we like get this thing checked out because i'm i i'm a little discomfort it doesn't show up that way <laughs> you know it shows up in like ear infections and colicky and uh, skin issues and just dysfunction overall is evidence that something might not be necessarily going right with uh, going right within that child. So it's just a very different indicator of how they end up getting to our office. But the application and the principles of what we do are very much the same for somebody who's ninety six or and and somebody who's you know six months old.
0: That's really cool, I think to be able to. Go, go across that broad spectrum because, as you said, like uh, birth is not a, an easy, easy kind of thing. <laughs> like, it's it's very traumatic, and there can be a lot that goes on there. Uh, but as you said, like a kid may not be able to express that for years. That what is going on with him? If, like you said, that's even if it's pain, but it could be right. showing up in so many other different fashions that that's going to be the last thing. Oh, if it's not pain, well, it can't be that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's just even on the broad spectrum, that's evidence of dysfunction. You know, there's, there's lots of studies, even with uh, just smaller populations and like a 1000 children, they're finding that 80% of them are misaligned at birth, regardless of symptom. And you know, they're finding like 90% of kids uh, early in life have a a suboccipital strain, sprain strain in the neck. So I mean, those are like, things that we're, we're taking a look at that maybe aren't producing symptomatology at the time, but if they continue throughout life, we begin to see dysfunction. And when you understand like how the body develops from a sensory perspective, it's like a huge sponge early on. So if we're not really uh, integrating that information, and that's exactly what the nerve system does, if it's not integrating correctly at a very young age, you, we can start to miss developmental milestones. So it's more of like a, a, a maturation of programming and that can get messed up at an early age, which what can that lead to down the road? Well, I mean, dysfunction in the nervous system can show up in so many different ways, shapes, and forms.
0: Now, what else will you do uh, in, in a given treatment? Like, is this going to be more, hey, you're just going to do the adjustments. Do you go through uh, any specific exercises, do you go through any just lifestyle factors to address with somebody or more is very individualized from that standpoint?
1: You know, I I actually love this question because I think this kind of plays into the role each, each person can kind of play in it from a healthcare perspective. It's And I even got this question the other night at my workshop, but I I believe, like, my role, a visit looks like this. One, we use certain infrared thermography to check people, right? That's the first thing. They get a scan of their neck. I mean, day one, obviously, we do a huge workup, orthopedic, neurological testing, thermography scans, and x-rays. But a visit to visit, we're checking that person to determine... Is there neurological interference? Okay, there is. You're getting an adjustment. And after the adjustment, the patient in our office, this is unique to some upper cervical techniques, is we have them rest for a period of 15 to 20 minutes to let everything set, hold, and then do a post-check scan to make sure we, in fact, did what we were looking to do. Right? So care is a process. And my job is to really monitor that process. Um, lifestyle factors do play a part. But I always say that the beginning of the relationship, like the beginning of care, I all I know about you is some tests, some histories. Uh, I don't know how you heal, and I do not know what this is exactly going to look like. But my job with the tools I have is to guide you through it. And, you know, there, there might be some recommendations. Do I ever give people some stretches or some recommendations as far as maybe what kind of exercise would be best for them? Sure, I'm not an expert in that, um, but we also... Our goal is to create a community with my office. So there's two ways I like to do that. One, I have a bunch of referral partners that I see as experts in their field. They're not mixing a bunch of different practices. They're an expert in that. So we have those resources. Also, we look to, on a monthly basis, bring different people from our community into our practice to also provide an opportunity and a resource for people to get more information on nutrition, healthy living. And this is so cool. I think it's the power of the book, the power of habit. But and maybe you read it or not or heard this somewhere. But it's like health is one of those things that is such a it's a core fundamental principle that when people start to achieve it in one area, they naturally just start to gravitate and find other pieces that fit into their box. They're like, oh wow, now I can like uh, go get through the day without. Um, feeling so anxious and stressed and I'm not worrying about like my pain wow what can I do now I think I should start exercising wow this is amazing I'm starting to lose some weight how what's the best way to eat so I can fuel my exercise and it's it's a natural progression that if people who really want to be well they just pick up the next step and if I can help be the resource for them to find the next step I think that's you know that's half the battle
0: I love that you brought up the point like with the power of habit and it's so true where it's you make that one change and it could be start off super small but it's that little by little it's just that snowball effect like hey this just keeps building and building and building uh and that's where you can look at now that full circle like all of the lifestyle factors that they've changed uh dramatically shifts the health then too which is awesome uh and so then i'm curious too because you talked about like okay refer out for certain things but like What is, what does your health look like? I mean, what do you do as far as like exercise goes? Cause you used to be into the cross country, everything like that. Like, so exercise wise, but elsewhere, what, where do you really passionate about, about just bringing about your own health?
1: Yeah. Like I'm a person of variety now. I mean, I used to be a competitive distance runner too. A fault and I don't even think it's that healthy of an activity for people over time I mean you look at distance runners and what that does to the body and, and the state it puts you in long term that's not great I mean I ran up to 100 miles a week I was a competitive like when I mean competitive like I ran 230 in the mar- marathon um, I was like killing myself and I don't do that much running now I actually try to <laughs> Um, I know what I'm good at, and I know, what <laughs> <will> get, <laughs> I know what will get me to work out. So I actually work out since August. Um, like I had a big life change last year. I took over as the director of the Art of the Specific, which is a, a program where I train chiropractors how to do the work that we do. And that happened in June. And I was doing like a lot of yoga and TRX stuff, and I loved it. And then bam, I'm on the road constantly. And you, it's easy to just fall off. And I to like hack myself, I was like, I'm hiring a personal trainer. So so I've been working with a personal trainer since August of last year. And I do it usually three times a week and then supplement maybe some other things in between. And when I'm on the road, they give me some stuff to do and I'll supplement. But I look at is like, my what is my focus? What is my job? And then how do I um, build nutritional and uh, physical activities that help? support my lifestyle to get me to be able to do more of what i want to do in life you know so i when people ask like what are you training for now i'm like i'm training for life <laughs> that's the way i look at it I,
0: I think that's a pretty good thing to train for i mean you just want to do the best you can in in, in all those yep. aspects and so yeah being as healthy as you can is certainly going to help with that
1: yeah and i'm kind of like an extremist for when i start at the end of twenty fifteen, you know when you start a business and you, you just you put so much time and energy in your business, and what you can realize is for the first point at the end of twenty fifteen, I was realizing like how people just fall off the fall off their rocker and just stop being healthy. And I was like, holy cow, I'm going to be, if I don't watch this, I'm going to be the guy who doesn't care about what I eat, doesn't care about how I exercise, and I'm just focusing on my business. And at the beginning of 2016, when I see something like that myself, I just do like a quick turnaround. And I actually did, I ate vegan for like six months. And it was fantastic, but it was impossible once you start traveling, in my opinion. I'm sure people out there in the world can make it work. Uh, But it was a good like reset. To come back and just kind of come up with a new a new plan where I'm not so so rigid. I'm pretty much eat uh, like pescatarian at this point, and that seems to work super well with me. I think health is also a little bit of a trial and error to for your personality, with because it's got to be fun. If you if you don't like the type of workout you're doing. Yeah, that's what I always ask people. Like, they're like, "Do you think I should exercise?" I was like, do, "Well, do you know a form of exercise that you'd like to do?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't know. Well, what, what do you want to try? Well, I want to try this. Well, go. I think that's a good place to start. Like, if you know you're going to hate it, don't don't get into it because it's never going to last. You can you can only convince and trick yourself for so long until you just you know you'll quit.
0: <laughs> no, and that's that's huge. That, you're right? It's, people say, "Well, what exercise should I do?" Like this and that. It's like. What are you gonna do? Like that's all it comes down to. If you give somebody a million and one different things to do, but if they only last for a week at a time, like it's not really gonna give much of that carryover for them. Like you said, just to live life as a healthy individual going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, and and when I yeah I said earlier, like what am I training for? I'm training training for life. That's like there is a difference between training and sport, right? There used to be like oh here's my sport and I'm preparing myself for this sport. Well you know, what's the average person really preparing themselves for? They're really preparing for for the demands that their job or their day and life require. And I think just keeping that in mind is a huge, huge deal. Like we look at that, like people don't come see me because they're in pain. They come see me when their pain or their health condition has interfered with their life to a certain point that they've lost something and they want to get it back. Well, in the same regard, exercise, eating, these things can help Feed into that goal to allow them to thrive again and not just, um, you know, just get out of pain. I just want to be a certain weight. Well, what then? And is it over? Like, is that it? You're going to give up? No, it's like a lifestyle. So people have to really embody, like, what's this going to do for them um, in their life?
0: You mentioned sport there. And this is something that I'm curious because uh, I compete in strongman, like, I'm training now. uh, But anybody who's looking to, Uh, even a a long distance runner looking to just absolutely maximize their output. Uh, I'm guessing this really ties into then that nervous system aspect that we were talking about before of the upper cervical spine. Uh, like what, what have you seen or what do you, uh, recommend for people? Like if they are looking to just get that absolute peak performance then too.
1: You mean from a what do I have to offer them, or yeah, like, exactly. You know, please,
0: yeah, from the the whole the, the cervical spine aspect of that to for the body functioning uh, really yeah. physically at, at its peak, then too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think neurologically, there's no other area as advanced as the upper cervical spine in, in uh, the brainstem. Like it controls our coordination, muscle function, body balance, autonomic function. You know, respiratory. Uh, sympathetic parasympathetic balance which is like you know if you're in fight or flight always training it's hard to like really recover in that so i think recovery is a is a main thing and it's it's cool because more and more like athletes have always kind of gotten the under the idea of chiropractic in the sense of like well hey do you want to like recover perform better um, be your best get get a slight edge yeah that's me but i think more people n- now than ever actually feel like they want those same things in life because they know the other uh, the alternative they see the sickness they see the disease and i it's really fascinating to me working with i'm probably one of the younger chiropractors in my area so i end up working with a lot of millennials or younger people and it's really fascinating a lot of them are coming in with the idea of like listen man i see all these broken people and i just don't want to be one of them so if there's anything you can do to help me uh stay out of that that would be cool can we like get started and maybe prevent some of those issues because i don't want to be like the generation before me and it's really interesting because i'm seeing that on a much regular basis so i think that same idea is what the athletes typically have and it's no secret you know i think we missed it by uh chiropractically like we would be like oh jerry rice is under chiropractic care and this and that and people would say like well jerry rice is like a millionaire and he plays mfl of course he has that luxury and we missed it where it's like listen if you're just an average person you can perform better too and well, let's show you how and you know when you get into the strength contest and the the, um, the different races that are out there the crossfit people are looking for an edge and the the baseline foundational component of how your body functions and muscle functions is the nerve system and that's absolutely what we measure on a day-to-day basis on a on a visit to visit basis so performance uh, you know if you're looking for the slight edge there's like no other way it's the best foundational thing you can do to make sure things are working correctly.
0: And and I love that concept too, because people are always looking for, uh, what can I do? Like what's the next great latest, greatest supplement? Like, all right, maybe I still need to dial in my food. And then it's like, Oh, what else can I do for recovery? Like I got to roll out. I got to do all my stretching. I got to make sure I get some more sleep. And again, if your nervous system is not functioning properly, (laughs) Those those are all going to be affected. Like the, like you said, it's the what's that most bang for your buck. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. Like that can still have a trickle down effect into so many other areas uh, and aspects of that training or just life in general.
1: Absolutely, I mean it's a huge huge factor. And it's funny because I think in passing people recognize that. You know, if you just have a normal conversation with a person and you're like, Yo, did you have you ever thought about the fact that like our whole body's running itself right now through the brain, spinal cord, and exiting nerves. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, how do we know that thing's working correctly? <laughs> like, nobody, you know, it's like who does that? Like, who who actually is responsible for making sure? It's like neurologists on some level they check the neurology and then they give you a diagnosis and then it's like, well, what's next? What do we do? You know, what can we cut or give a pill to or you know? And it it just it's a it's a cycle, but um, it is a foundational thing. Like when I when I speak to Mothers of uh, of kids with sensory issues and ADHD and all this stuff—they're they—they're describing exactly what you just talked about. Is like they look at the what's the next supplement, what's the next diet, what's the thing I can do? How what behavior can we change? And they're doing boom, 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 and it's like, well, have you ever considered like <laughs> the the integrating system behind the whole thing? And most people don't.
0: Spill. A little different, uh, maybe maybe change of thought here, but I'm curious, Like, is there anything that you're just geeking out on right now that you're just really like diving into, uh, maybe that's new or different, or is it still even just along the upper cervical lines or just new research, just new things that you're diving into and really finding out about?
1: Uh, man, I mean, I feel like I'm always geeking out, but uh, like recently I've been, I, I would say I'm geeking out on the how how simple yet profound yet misunderstood like the concepts that you and I are talking about. I was just in Europe last week speaking at two different chiropractic schools and it's. I think one of the things I'm fascinated with is the perspective on where the world's going. I, I always like to kind of data gather how people are thinking and the ways, ways people are moving and it's really interesting to go to like a chiropractic school, a school that should be teaching Uh, The the stuff that I'm kind of talking about and realizing that they don't look at, we almost turn chiropractic into medical so far that when people get out of school, they don't even remember how people are are viewing the world. Um, Also, you know, along those lines, I, I just think the neurology of really what's going on with a human being is super fascinating. I mean, I talked a little bit about the neurodevelopmental stuff, but all the part behind all that is the brain, how it develops. How we build off of information, how much information um, actually we're receiving, how many bits per per second—you know, like 11 trillion bits—and you're, all you're doing is like deleting, distorting, and and getting and integrating information all day long. And I just think it's really—I love living in the awe of that because I think sometimes we make health seem so um, linear and one-sided, but it's it's just so amazing like the power of the human body and and how we're set up. So I think right now I'm in a little bit more of an awe again with the neurology of like, holy cow, you're a human being and all this stuff is going on for you each and every day. So I think that's what I'm starting to like really dive back into because the philosophy that the body's self-healing, self-regulating, and just really needs the right conditions to be healthy is an idea that all healthcare practitioners And people who operate in the healthcare field can really start to like look at how they're delivering services through that lens. And the science backs that. The neurology backs that.
0: This is getting me to think, I'm reading uh, one of Ray Kurzweil's books right now and the singularity is near, I think it's called, Uh, but it's talking about like all the advancement of just the technology. And I'm curious, like speaking of like the neurology, it's like, it's funny to think about what could our brains, what could our neurology, like, how could that just advance along with more of this external technology? Like, are they going to, well, Moore's law, like doubling every so many months or whatever like that. Is, is this like something that can be combined? Like, we're just going to be uh, faster data processors. We're going to get faster movements. I mean, are, are things just going to continuously improve?
1: I don't know I mean I guess I guess we'll know I mean the way information is processed and and handled uh, but I mean that's kind of the the beauty of the human and that's like the responsibility of the nerve system is to we are in a society where information travels like that so how are we going to adapt well that's the system that's going to adapt us so it's going to just it's almost like you know just get your popcorn ready see how we we respond to it on a on a like a regular basis it's it's going to be fun I think
0: so talking about the the like just the the state of the world almost like where is it going like what is your vision for a healthy future uh maybe like for yourself and your family, but the world in general
1: mm. Where is the world? I don't know, I'm a positive guy, so I think I like to see like <laughs> the the strengths and where society's going and what it's what it's adopting uh, like it's no it's no surprise. Um, it's no surprise that' we're, we're not healthy like there's never a a talk that I do an organization that I speak to where I stand in front of them and I'm like you know how many of you think we really are getting all of you know all of all of what we can out of our healthcare system how many of you think we're doing everything we can to be healthy and the resounding response is yeah we're not healthy we're not getting all we can so then it's like I think the two big Things to understand is like one, how do how do we really view health, and then what are we going to do about it? I think those are the two things being revealed to people through. There's so much social media. There is you can't get away from information now. Like you just can't. You can't just say map. Cultural authority is like meaning a little bit less because information is is rel- uh, is readily available to everybody. So. People are challenging, they're inquisitive, they don't accept things at full, full value, and then they go do their own research and they make conclusions. I think you're working with a population that uh, is, is dangerous, well, not dangerous, but they're, they're closer to having the tools to continue to, to be better. Now, the only thing that I, I think gets everybody confused is there's so many ways to look at health. Right? There's so many, so then people don't act in any direction. It's like you have the Atkins diet, you have paleo, you have vegan, you have all meat, no meat, uh, pescatarian, all eggs, no eggs, eat fish, don't eat fish, eat eat vegetables and fruit. Nope, fruit's too much sugar. So like, <laughs> you have these confusing things, but the good news is people are searching and they're not just like, well, yeah, I, I think some of those debunked concepts over the last couple of years are really readily available. Like, sugar's not good. Okay, great. We can accept that. White, white stuff is not good. Okay, that's true, too. And I think fat's horrible for you. Well, that's not really true. I think those things in general have been debunked, so we're moving in a, a different direction. Um, people know they need to move. People know they need to eat more natural. And, like, being a negative person is going to be detrimental to your health. We're starting to get that. So people are looking for new ways.
0: No, you're right. There are those seemingly simplistic but still huge paradigm shifts that are occurring, which is awesome now. And once that's kind of the norm, like once that's recognized wholly, I think we're gonna see then it's like, oh wow, okay, what can we do with this? Like, or that next tipping point is going to occur where it's like, all right, right, all, everybody's all in with this. Like, where is this gonna take yeah. just the human society in general?
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny. I don't know if you ever saw this, but one of my professors in school like five or six years ago, he pulled up an article where they were putting a diagnosis on people who were like trying to be too healthy, right? (laughs) They were like categorizing them. But at first, I thought it was really funny. But looking at it, when you dive into that, some people, and depending on who you work with or who I see, some people have – they just – take all this health information in and it freaks them out that they don't know the answer and then they try and they worry that they're not doing the right thing and they're and i'm like well that's just you're right that's just as bad if the same person's just worrying am i doing am i doing the right thing
0: (laughs) yeah you're absolutely right like i'll see that with patients they'll come in they'll show me uh here's here's my exercise like routine here's my list of uh, supplements like this is the way that I eat. I make sure to sleep from exactly this time till exactly this time. And then yeah. it's like, when's the last time you just went outside and like hung out <laughs> or just played with your kids or your dog or something like that? Well, well I, I and you just like see the yeah. brain looks like it's going to explode sometimes.
1: They're like it's not on my schedule. It's right. not on my calendar. And you're <laughs> like, yeah, well, you know, you gotta let, like let loose, like being, uh, adaptable is, is a, is a healthy, healthy thing too. <laughs>
0: Actually, that's an amazing way to put it, just being Uh adaptable, because you never know what you're going to face. You have to be able to adapt to that adversity uh, of different foods, of different stressors, of different movements, whatever it is. And if you can't, that's when you're going to really uh, probably downgrade your health quite significantly.
1: 100%. And you just used the number one word that the nervous system is behind, and that's to adapt. So like that is kind of the idea, Right. People have gotten so crazy with, like, the one thing and the one cure and the one cause and all this stuff. And it's all integrated through that process. Like, we're not going to live forever. We're not going to, like, not – we're, we're going to have some symptoms. We're going to have some aches and pains. We're going to have some bumps and bruises. And we're going to have some days where we don't feel, feel so great. But it's not about, like, avoiding everything. It's about adapting to, uh, a, about adapting to those challenges. And that's where, like, when you empower people, that that's part of the process and there's a system that helps them do it. It just becomes a lot more powerful.
0: So maybe what is the hardest thing for you? Like, I was going to say, I was going to ask initially, like, what's your biggest uh, struggle when it comes to your health? But maybe what is, like, the biggest thing that you have to adapt to for your health right now?
1: Oh, mine, mine is definitely I'm starting to. Like I'm becoming more interested in how people remain super healthy when they travel, because yeah, uh, like I went from I went from in 2015 not even owning a nice piece of luggage to last year from June until the end of the year being on the road 59 days in 15 different uh, cities in eight different countries and like 67,000 miles on an airplane like (laughs) like I mean that's super different and for a person who like let's say I'm the rigid I need have a routine with all the foods I eat like that's out the window so first it's like figuring out what I can do to sustain on the road and then how do I fit how do I be uh, you know flexible to to continue with healthy healthy things while I'm on the road so that's that's been my challenge and i feel like this last trip i i got a taste of if i'm really going to keep this up long term there's going to be have to be certain things that i do to maintain wellness because you know when you travel and stuff it, you see so many people come back from a vacation or come back from a trip and what happens to them they get they get sick and i'm like well i can't do that i got to get back home and then i see people And then I'm on the road and I'm teaching and then I'm on the road and I'm learning and you're in different spots, different foods, different exercise environments. And I have to be able to recover and respond. And I'm just realizing a few of those different things that that it's going to take for that to be super successful.
0: So what are some of the things that you've maybe implemented or realized like, okay, if I do these like three things, these five things, whatever it is, like those are the base of what you can do when you're traveling.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I mean, here when I'm in Europe, it's really easy to like get a lot of walking in. I love one of the things I love about like Europe is just it's amazing. It's like we're doing over 20,000 steps every day. Um, their food naturally is just healthier in general. It's like I lost weight and I didn't really work out a lot last week, but their food just makes your digestion feel better. You don't have, like, as many swings because they don't allow as much crummy stuff in our food. But a couple of the things I realized, like carrying water around and having it more readily available, that's something that, I think is very easy in the States and we take for granted and uh, I carry water everywhere because I like to drink fluid. But when you're on the road you'll have a coffee and then you don't drink for a while and then all of a sudden you're in a state of dehydration and you don't sleep enough and then you're traveling to the next spot. So the one thing I've increased is like having that water source wherever I am. <laughs> Planes dehydrate you. The other thing is um, as much as it, It can be to have fun in that in other countries and that sort of thing. Like sleep is going to be the key to respond and come back. So I'm realizing like, okay, we need to make some like get get some good sleep, drink some water, and maintain activity. Is it gonna be exercise every day? Well, not maybe not lifting weights and that sort of thing. I stayed at some hotels that don't have gyms, but just pre-looking at the schedule to see like, what can I do? Okay. I can go for a run that day. I, well, we're going to be walking a ton this day. We'll get exercise there. Ah, this hotel has a gym. So just kind of having a plan going into it of where I'm going to maintain fitness, because I'm sure if I don't do those things, a lot of times the day is not as productive anyway. Right.
0: Yeah. That makes a good point. Like that's still when you're at home, it's the same kind of concept. Like. If you don't get that movement practice in of some sort, you're going to probably be hurting and just not have that optimal functioning.
1: Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And that's, I think that's it. It's like, I've never gotten used to that lifestyle on the road. Like it's easy to get used to here in your home and you have your environment and you know where your office is and where you're going and where you spend most of your life. But when you're on the road and it's new, it can be more difficult to integrate all that. But that's like my next challenge, but after a week away, I'm like it needs to happen like i need like, <laughs> <laughs> like I need to take care of myself if I want to do this long term, and taking care of yourself on the road probably it even requires more discipline and focus and um planning than i than I really thought before
0: so you said doing this long-term like what is your long-term vision uh maybe as as an educator as a practitioner like what is that going to look like do you see even just a year from now 50 (laughs) years from now whatever it is
1: that's great. Uh, that's another way I try to be pretty adaptable. Because if you would have, if we would have been doing this interview a year a year ago, we would have been talking about how i I have a great practice in Pennsylvania. I'm doing this upper cervical thing. I'm part of an organization, and that would have been about it. So, <laughs> uh, so I got thrown into a lot, but I it it fits like my vision, and my vision is you know I'm not satisfied with the way the public views chiropractic, so I'm working on changing that. I'm also not. Uh, you know, through from meeting students, training doctors, and I'm also not satisfied with the way the public perceives it or the chiropractor. So this, what I'm doing now fits both of those. I'm part of an organization called the Specific Chiropractic Centers. We have 20 offices uh, in the in the United States, and I'm launching one in Barcelona, Spain. That's one of the reasons I was in uh, Europe last week getting that project underway. And uh, like, my even my patients they know all the things i do and they're like how long are you going to practice like are you going to leave us and i'm like listen i'm not going to leave you it's not going to be like an overnight bill's gone but i do picture my life helping support and um open more offices, help more chiropractors be successful in the work that I do, and uh, run a successful business and communicate the the message appropriately. So I'm sure my life will change and exactly what that looks like. I'm getting much more involved in the European world and kind of developing some of those chiropractors and, and more clinics there. So... That you know, my vision is for when people think of chiropractic, they think of upper cervical chiropractic, you know, and if that doesn't resonate with people, that's okay. There's, I never throw any other chiropractors under the bus. I just think this is kind of the standard and it helps put the profession in a much bigger light and it helps people make sense, a little bit more sense of what we actually are doing.
0: And, and I love it. I think, anybody who's passionate about whatever profession they're doing needs to continue to try and further that profession. Uh, and like you said, paint it in that best possible light because you're out there, you're on the road, you're doing all this educating, all this learning and you just want to be able to share that to make everybody or to give people to be that ability to be as healthy as they want.
1: Yeah. And one of the greatest parts is, you know, and one of the healthiest things we didn't talk about that is one of the biggest Factors in health. Uh, I I cite this in a talk. I I, whenever I speak, I really like this. This super resonates with me on multiple levels. But there's a TED talk on a Harvard study that they've been doing since like 1940, where they studied about I think 750 graduates, and they studied them compared to a group of people like low kind of level. Um, population in Boston, and what they found was the biggest determining factor in people being healthy and successful was their relationships and their social network. They found that that was a bigger determining factor in people's um, health than their cholesterol levels and their blood pressure levels and things of that nature. So I think one of the things we do through the art of the specific and through the specific chiropractic centers is you're not just alone. You, you have a support system of other doctors to bounce ideas off of. And you have a collective vision to help, help grow a community throughout, throughout the country. And I, you know, that's what I want to be a part of. I didn't, I, I told, I tell my wife all the time, I could care less if I'm personally remembered for what, what, type of impact we're able to make. I'd much rather it just be a lasting um, entity that is well-respected and people understand the power of chiropractic, the power of the nervous system and how specific chiropractic can help that achieve them. I'm much more interested in that. And that's kind of what we provide. We have that community. Even in your marketing, like you should be creating community. You should, by creating community, it builds help healthier people, healthier businesses, And, uh, it's just a much more authentic place to change the world.
0: Sounds awesome. Uh, but a couple last things in closing, uh, one question that I ask everybody who comes on is who would you want to hear on this podcast and what is it that you would either want to ask them or hear them talk about,
1: man, I'm just going to give you a recommendation because when we were talking about, about this, so I have a good friend, he practices in uh, Southern California. His name is Dr. Tommy John. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him before. He is a chiropractor, but he has—he's the son of the pitcher.
0: That's what I was going to ask. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, and I and I will gladly put you in touch with this guy because Tommy Tommy John look views training at a from a totally different perspective, and you will find this guy super fascinating. He's worked with a lot of um, NFL players and helps them recover very quickly with. Different training uh, using like the ARP wave technology sometimes, but his exercises are all about restimulating uh, nerve system tracks and repairing different things. And I've done; he's put me through different programs, and it's some of the most interesting training uh, I've ever, ever, ever done before. And he really—I got one of the things I said during this podcast was that um, train, train, uh, sport is one thing and training is another. And Mm -hmm. he really looks at the way we use our body to handle the demands of forces. And it's super fascinating. I think, I think your listeners and I think you would really enjoy what he has to say. He's just been like a, a fascinating mentor of mine for the last couple of years on just the way to look at exercise in the human body. So I would highly recommend him.
0: That sounds awesome. Uh, looking forward to, uh, just checking some of his workout then. Yeah. Uh, But where in closing here can the listeners go find out more about you, what you do, where you'll be lecturing? I mean, any and all of the above, please.
1: Yeah. So I have some people working on my personal website right now. That's not up yet. But, I mean, connecting with me on Facebook is always the easiest thing to do to see where I'm at, where I'm going. And that's Bill Moss. On Facebook, but also the artofthespecific.com is the training program, and my practice is the Specific Chiropractic Center in Wyoming, if you, and that's www.getspecificpa.com. So those are the easiest ways to connect with me and find out where I'm going in the world.
0: Excellent. Dr. Bill Moss, thank you so much for coming on today. Make sure everybody go connect. Check them out if you're in the area. If not, like, see if, you, if you're interested in any of those lectures, anything that you can be teaching. Uh, thank you again so much for the time today. I had a blast.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Nick.
0: Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to head over to BareNakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free. So thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive, comment comment, and five star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others. So thank
1: you.